Chapter Eight of the Chartreuse of Parma by Stendhal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eight. Thus, only a month after his arrival at court, Fabrizio was acquainted with all the worries of a courtier and the intimate friendship which had been the happiness of his life was poisoned one evening harassed by these thoughts he left the duchess's apartments where he looked far too much like the reigning lover and wandering aimlessly through the town happened to pass by the theatre which was lighted up he went in this for a man of his cloth was a piece of gratuitous imprudence and one which he had fully intended to avoid while at parma which after all is only a small town of forty thousand inhabitants it is true indeed that from the first days of his residence there he had put aside his official dress and in the evenings unless he was going to very large parties he wore plain black like any man in mourning at the theatre he took a box on the third tier so as not to be seen the piece was goldoni's locandiera he was looking at the architecture of the house and had hardly turned his eyes upon the stage but the numerous audience was in a state of constant laughter fabrizio glanced at the young actress who was playing the part of the locandiera and thought her droll he looked at her more attentively and she struck him as being altogether pretty and above all exceedingly natural she was a simple young creature the first to laugh at the pretty things goldoni had put into her mouth which seemed to astonish her as she spoke them he inquired her name and was told it was marietta valserra ah thought he to himself she has taken my name how odd contrary to his intention he did not leave the theatre until the play was over the next day he came back three days after that he had found out where marietta valserra lived on the very evening of the day on which with a good deal of difficulty he had procured this address he noticed that the count looked at him in the most pleasant manner the poor jealous lover who had hard work to restrain himself within the bounds of prudence had set spies upon the young man's conduct and was delighted at his freak for the actress how shall i describe the count's delight when the day after that on which he had been able to force himself to be gracious to fabrizio he learned that the young man partly disguised indeed in a long blue overcoat had climbed to the wretched apartment on the fourth floor of an old house behind the theatre in which marietta valserra lived his delight increased twofold when he knew that fabrizio had presented himself under a false name and was honoured by the jealousy of a good-for-nothing fellow of the name of giletti who played third-rate servants parts in the city and danced on the tightrope in the neighbouring villages this noble lover of marietta's was heaping volleys of abuse on fabrizio and vowed he would kill him opera companies are formed by an impresario who engages the artists he can afford to pay or finds disengaged from all quarters and the company thus collected by chance remains together for a season or two at the outside this is not the case with comedy companies these though they move about from town to town and change their place of residence every two or three months continue nevertheless as one family the members of which either love or hate each other these companies frequently comprise couples living in constant and close relations which the beaux of the towns in which they occasionally perform find it very difficult to break up 
this is exactly what happened to our hero little marietta liked him well enough but she was horribly afraid of giletti who claimed to be her lord and master and kept a close eye upon her he openly declared that he would kill the monsignore for he had dogged fabrizio's steps and had succeeded in finding out his name this giletti was certainly the most hideous of beings and the least attractive imaginable as a lover he was enormously tall hideously thin deeply pitted with smallpox and had something of a squint into the bargain notwithstanding this he was full of the graces peculiar to his trade and would make his entry on the wings where his comrades were assembled turning wheels on his hands and feet or performing some other pleasing trick his great parts were those in which the actor appears with his face whitened with flour and receives or inflicts innumerable blows with a stick this worthy rival of fabrizio's received a salary of thirty-two francs a month and thought himself very well off indeed to count mosca it was as though he had been brought back from the gates of the tomb when his watchers brought him the proofs of all these details his good nature reasserted itself he was gayer and better company than ever in the duchess's rooms and took good care not to tell her anything of the little adventure which had restored him to life he even took precautions to prevent her hearing anything of what was happening until the latest possible moment and finally he gathered courage to listen to his reason which for a month had been vainly assuring him that whenever a lover's merits fade that lover should take a journey important business summoned him to bologna and twice a day the cabinet couriers brought him not so much the necessary papers from his offices as news of little marietta's amours of the redoubtable giletti's fury and of fabrizio's undertakings several times over one of the count's agents bespoke performances of arlecchino scheletro e pasta one of giletti's triumphs he emerges from the pie just as his rival brighella is going to eat it and thrashes him soundly this made a pretext for sending him a hundred francs giletti who was over head and ears in debt took good care to say nothing about this windfall but his pride reached an astonishing pitch what had been a whim in fabrizio's case now became a matter of piqued vanity young as he was his anxieties had already driven him to indulge in whims his vanity led him to the theatre the little girl acted very well and amused him when the play was over he was in love for quite an hour the count receiving news that fabrizio was in real danger returned to parma giletti who had served as a dragoon in the fine napoleon regiment was seriously talking of murdering fabrizio and was making arrangements for his subsequent flight into the romagna if my reader be very young he will be scandalized by my admiration for this fine tray of virtue yet it involved no small effort of heroism on the count's part to leave bologna for too often indeed in the mornings his complexion looked sorely jaded and fabrizio's was so fresh and pleasant to look at who could have reproached him with fabrizio's death if it had occurred in his absence and on account of so foolish a business but to his rare nature the thought of a generous action which he might have done and which he had not performed would have been an eternal remorse and further he could not endure the idea of seeing the duchess sad and by his fault when he arrived he found her taciturn and gloomy this is what had happened her little maid cecchina tormented by remorse and gauging the importance of her own fault by the large sum she had been paid for committing it had fallen sick 
one night the duchess who had a real regard for her went up to her room the young girl could not resist this mark of kindness she burst into tears begged her mistress to take back the money still remaining to her out of what she had received and at last gathered courage to tell her the story of the count's questions and her own replies the duchess ran across to the lamp and put it out then she told cecchina that she would forgive her but only on condition that she never said a word about the strange scene to anybody on earth the poor count she added carelessly is afraid of looking ridiculous all men are alike the duchess hurried down to her own apartments she had hardly shut herself into her own room before she burst into tears the idea of love passages with fabrizio at whose birth she had been present was horrible to her and yet what other meaning could her conduct bear such had been the first cause of the black depression in which the count found her plunged when he arrived she had fits of impatience with him and almost with fabrizio she would have liked never to have seen either of them again she was vexed by fabrizio's behaviour with little marietta which seemed to her ridiculous for the count who like a true lover could keep nothing from his mistress had told her the whole story she could not grow accustomed to this disaster there was a flaw in her idol at last in a moment of confidence she asked the count's advice it was an exquisite instant for him and a worthy reward for the upright impulse which had brought him back to parma what can be more simple said the count with a smile these young fellows fall in love with every woman they see and the next morning they have forgotten all about her ought he not to go to belgirate to see the marchesa del dongo very well then let him start while he is away i shall request the comedy company to remove itself and its talents elsewhere and will pay its travelling expenses but we shall soon see him in love again with the first pretty woman chance may throw across his path that is the natural order of things and i would not have it otherwise if it is necessary let the marchesa write to him this suggestion emitted with an air of the most complete indifference was a ray of light to the duchess she was afraid of giletti that evening the count mentioned as though by chance that one of his couriers was about to pass through milan on his way to vienna three days later fabrizio received a letter from his mother he departed very much annoyed because giletti's jealousy had hitherto prevented him from taking advantage of the friendly feelings of which marietta had assured him through her mamacha an old woman who performed the functions of her mother fabrizio met his mother and one of his sisters at belgirate a large piedmontese village on the right bank of lago maggiore the left bank is in milanese territory and consequently belongs to austria this lake which is parallel to the lake of como and like it runs from north to south lies about thirty miles further westward the mountain air the calm and majestic aspect of the splendid lake which recalled that near which he had spent his childhood all contributed to change fabrizio's annoyance which had verged upon anger into a gentle melancholy the memory of the duchess rose up before him clothed with infinite tenderness it seemed to him now he was far from her that he was beginning to love her with that love which he had never yet felt for any woman nothing could have been more painful to him than the thought of being parted from her forever and if while he was in this frame of mind the duchess had condescended to the smallest coquetry such for example as giving him a rival she would have conquered his heart but far from taking so decisive a step she could not help reproaching herself bitterly because her thoughts hovered so constantly about the young traveller's path 
she upbraided herself for what she still called a fancy as if it had been an abomination her kindness and attention to the count increased twofold and he bewitched by all these charms could not listen to the healthy reason which prescribed a second trip to bologna the marchesa del dongo greatly hurried by the arrangements for the weddings of her eldest daughter with a milanese duke could only spend three days with her beloved son never had she found him so full of tender affection amid the melancholy which was taking stronger and yet stronger hold of fabrizio's soul a strange and even absurd idea had presented itself to him and was forthwith carried into effect dare we say he was bent on consulting father blanes the good old man was perfectly incapable of understanding the sorrows of a heart torn by various boyish passions of almost equal strength and besides it would have taken a week to give him even a faint idea of the various interests at parma which fabrizio was forced to consider yet when fabrizio thought of consulting him all the fresh feelings of his sixteenth year came back to him shall i be believed when i affirm that it was not simply to the wise man and the absurdly faithful friend that fabrizio longed to speak the object of this excursion and the feelings which agitated our hero all through the fifty hours of its duration are so absurd that for the sake of my story i should doubtless do better to suppress them i fear fabrizio's credulity may deprive him of the reader's sympathy but thus he was why should i flatter him more than another i have not flattered count mosca nor the prince fabrizio then if the truth must be told accompanied his mother to the port of laveno on the left bank of the lago maggiore on the austrian side where she landed about eight o'clock at night the lake itself is considered neutral and no passports are asked of anyone who does not land but darkness had hardly fallen before he too had put himself ashore on that same austrian bank in a little wood which juts out into the water he had hired a sediola a sort of country gig which travels very fast in which he was able to follow about five hundred paces behind his mother's carriage he was disguised as a servant belonging to the casa del dongo and none of the numerous police or customs officers thought of asking for his passport a quarter of a league from como where the marchesa del dongo and her daughter were to spend the night he took a path to the left which after running round the village of vico joined a narrow newly made road along the very edge of the lake it was midnight and fabrizio had reason to hope he would not meet any gendarmes the black outline of the foliage on the clumps of trees through which the road constantly passed stood out against a starry sky just veiled by a light mist a profound stillness hung over the waters and the sky fabrizio's soul could not resist this sublime beauty he stopped and seated himself on a rock which jutted out into the lake and formed a little promontory nothing broke the universal silence save the little waves that died out at regular intervals upon the beach fabrizio had the heart of an italian i beg the fact may be forgiven him this drawback which will make him less attractive consisted above all in the following fact he was only vain by fits and starts and the very sight of sublime beauty filled his heart with emotion and blunted the keen and cruel edge of his sorrows sitting on his lonely rock no longer forced to keep watch against police agents sheltered by the darkness of the night and the vast silence soft tears rose in his eyes and he enjoyed at very little cost the happiest moments he had known for many a day 
he resolved he would never tell a lie to the duchess and it was because he loved her to adoration at that moment that he swore an oath never to tell her that he loved her never would he drop into her ear that word love because the passion to which the name is given had never visited his heart in the frenzy of generosity and virtue which made him feel so happy at that moment he resolved on the earliest opportunity to tell her the whole truth that his heart had never known what love might be once this bold decision had been adopted he felt as though a huge weight had been lifted off him perhaps she will say something to me about marietta very good then i will never see little marietta again he answered his own thought joyously the morning breeze was beginning to temper the overwhelming heat which had prevailed the whole day long the dawn was already outlining the alpine peaks which rise over the northern and eastern shores of the lake of como with a pale faint light their masses white with snow even in the month of june stand out sharply against the clear blue of a sky which at those great heights no cloud ever dims a spur of the alps running southward toward the favoured land of italy separates the slopes of como from those of garda fabrizio's eyes followed all the branchings of the noble range the dawn as it drove away the light mists rising from the gorges revealed the valleys lying between he had resumed his way some minutes previously he climbed the hill which forms the durini promontory and at last his eyes beheld the church tower of grianta from which he had so often watched the stars with father blanes how crassly ignorant i was in those days he thought i couldn't even understand the absurd latin of the astrological treatises my master thumbed and i believe the chief reason of my respect for them was that as i only comprehended a word here and there my imagination undertook to supply their meaning after the most romantic fashion gradually his reverie wandered into another direction was there anything real about this science why should it be different from others a certain number of fools and of clever people for instance agree between themselves that they understand the mexican language by this means they impose on society which respects them and on governments who pay them they are loaded with favours just because they are stupid and because the people in power need not fear their disturbing the populace and stirring interest and pity by their generous sentiments look at father bari on whom ernest the fourth has just bestowed a pension of four thousand francs and the cross of his order for having reconstituted nineteen lines of a greek dithyram but after all what right have i to think such things absurd he exclaimed of a sudden stopping short has not that very same cross been given to my own tutor fabrizio felt profoundly uncomfortable the noble passion for virtue which had lately thrilled his heart was being transformed into the mean satisfaction of enjoying a good share in the proceeds of a robbery well said he at last and his eyes grew dim as the eyes of a man who is discontented with himself since my birth gives me a right to profit by these abuses i should be an arrant fool if i did not take my share but i must not venture to speak evil of them in public places this argument was not devoid of sense but fabrizio had fallen a long way below the heights of sublime delight on which he had hovered only an hour before the thought of his privileges had scorched that always delicate plant which men call happiness if i must not believe in astrology he went on making an effort to divert his thoughts if like three-fourths of the non-mathematical sciences 
this one is no more than an association of enthusiastic simpletons with clever humbugs paid by those they serve how comes it that i dwell so often and with so much emotion upon that fatal episode i did escape long since from the jail at so-and-so but i was wearing the clothes and using the papers of a soldier who had been justly cast into prison fabrizio's reasoning would never carry him any farther than this he revolved the difficulty in a hundred ways but he never could surmount it he was too young as yet during his leisure moments his soul was steeped in the delight of tasting the sensations arising out of the romantic circumstances with which his imagination was always ready to supply him he by no means employed his time in patiently considering the real peculiarities of things and then discovering their causes reality still seemed to him dull and dirty i can conceive it's not being pleasant to look at but then one should not argue about it above all things one should not put forward one's own various forms of ignorance as objections thus it was that though fabrizio was no fool he was not able to realize that his half-belief in omens really was a religion a profound impression received at his entrance into life the thought of this belief was a sensation and a happiness and he obstinately endeavoured to discover how it might be proved a science which really did exist like that of geometry for instance he eagerly ransacked his memory for the occasions on which the omens he had observed had not been followed by the happy or unfortunate event that they appeared to prognosticate but though he believed himself to be following out a course of argument and so drawing nearer to the truth his memory dwelt with delight on those cases in which the omen had on the whole been followed by the accident good or evil which he had believed it to foretell and his soul was filled with emotion and respect and he would have felt an invincible repugnance toward any one who denied the existence of such signs more especially if he had spoken of them jestingly fabrizio had been walking along without any regard for distance and he had reached this point in his powerless arguments when raising his head he found himself confronted by the wall of his own father's garden this wall which supported a fine terrace rose more than forty feet above the road on the right-hand side a course of dressed stone running along the top close to the balustrade gave it a monumental appearance it's not bad said fabrizio coldly to himself the architecture is good very nearly roman in style he was applying his new antiquarian knowledge then he turned away in disgust his father's severity and above all his brother ascanio's denunciation after his return from france came back to his mind that unnatural denunciation has been the origin of my present way of life i may hate it i may scorn it but after all it has changed my fate what would have become of me once i had been sent to novara where my father's man of business could hardly endure the sight of me if my aunt had not fallen in love with a powerful minister and then if that same aunt had possessed a hard and unfeeling nature instead of that tender passionate heart which loves me with a sort of frenzy that astounds me where should i be now if the duchess had been like her brother the marchese del dongo lost in these bitter memories fabrizio had been walking aimlessly forward he reached the edge of the moat just opposite the splendid facade of the castle he scarcely cast a glance at the huge time-stained building the noble language of its architecture fell on deaf ears the memory of his father and his brother shut every sensation of beauty out of his heart his only thought was that he must be on his guard in the presence of a dangerous and hypocritical enemy 
for an instant but in evident disgust he glanced at the little window of the third-floor room he had occupied before eighteen fifteen his father's treatment had wiped all the charm out of his memories of early days i have never been back in it he thought since eight o'clock at night on that seventh of march i left it to get the passport from vasi and the next morning in my terror of spies i hurried on my departure when i came back after my journey to france i had not time even to run up and look once at my prince and all that thanks to my brother's accusation fabrizio turned away his head in horror father blanes is more than eighty-three now he mused sadly he hardly ever comes to the castle so my sister tells me the infirmities of years have laid their hand upon him that noble steady heart is frozen by old age god knows how long it may be since he has been in his tower i'll hide myself in his cellar under the vats or the wine-press until he wakes i will not disturb the good old man's slumbers probably he will even have forgotten my face six years makes so much difference at my age i shall find nothing but the shell of my old friend and it really is a piece of childishness he added to have come here to face the odious sight of my father's house fabrizio had just entered the little square in front of the church it was with an astonishment that almost reached delirium that he saw the long narrow window on the second story of the ancient tower lighted up by father blanes's little lantern it was the father's custom to place it there when he went up to the wooden cage which formed his observatory so that the light might not prevent him from reading his planisphere this map of the sky was spread out on a huge earthenware vase which had once stood in the castle orangery in the orifice at the bottom of the vase was the tiniest of lamps the smoke of which was carried out of the vase by a slender tin tube and the shadow cast by this tube on the map marked the north all these memories of simple little things flooded fabrizio's soul with emotion and filled it with happiness almost unthinkingly he raised his two hands and gave the little low short whistle which had once been the signal for his admission at once he heard several pulls at the cord running from the observatory which controlled the latch of the tower door in a transport of emotion he bounded up the stairs and found the father sitting in his accustomed place in his wooden armchair his eye was fixed on the little telescope with his left hand the father signed to him not to interrupt the observation a moment afterward he noted down a figure on a playing card then turning in his chair he held out his arms to our hero who cast himself into them bursting into tears the abbe blanes was his real father i was expecting you said blanes when the first outburst of tenderness had subsided was the abbe posing as a wise man or was it that thinking of fabrizio so often as he did some astrological sign had warned him by a mere chance of his return the hour of my death draws near said father blanes what exclaimed fabrizio much affected yes returned the father and his tone was serious but not sad five months and a half or six months and a half after i have seen you again my life which will have attained its full measure of happiness will fade out come face al mancar del alimento even as the little lamp when the oil fails in it before the closing moment comes i shall probably be speechless for one month or two after that i shall be received into our father's bosom provided indeed that he is satisfied that i have fulfilled my duty at the post where he sent me as sentinel you are worn out with weariness your agitation makes you inclined for sleep since i have expected you i have hidden a loaf and a bottle of brandy in the large case which contains my instruments 
support your life with these and try to gather enough strength to listen to me for a few moments more i have it in my power to tell you several things before this night has altogether passed into the day i see them far more distinctly now than i may perhaps see them to-morrow for my child we are always weak and we must always reckon with this weakness to-morrow it may be the old man the earthly man in me will be making ready for my death and to-morrow night at nine o'clock you must leave me when fabrizio had obeyed him in silence as was his wont it is true then the old man resumed that when you tried to see waterloo all you found at first was a prison yes father replied fabrizio much astonished well that was a rare good fortune for your soul warned by my voice may make itself ready to endure another prison far more severe infinitely more terrible you will probably only leave it through a crime but thanks be to heaven the crime will not be committed by your hand never fall into crime however desperately you may be tempted i think i see that there will be some question of your killing an innocent man who without knowing it has usurped your rights if you resist this violent temptation which will seem justified by the laws of honour your life will be very happy in the eyes of men and reasonably happy in the eyes of the wise he added after a moment's reflection you will die my son like me sitting on a wooden seat far from all luxury and undeceived by it and like me without having any serious reproach upon your soul now future matters are ended between us i am not able to add anything of much importance in vain i have sought to know how long your imprisonment will last whether it will be six months a year ten years i cannot discover anything i must i suppose have committed some sin and it is the will of heaven to punish me by the sorrow of this uncertainty i have only seen that after the prison yet i do not know whether it is at the very moment of your leaving it there will be what i call a crime but happily i think i may be sure that it will be not committed by you if you are weak enough to dabble in that crime all the rest of my calculations are but one long mistake then you will not die with peace in your soul sitting on a wooden chair and dressed in white as he spoke those words the father tried to rise and then it was that fabrizio became aware of the ravages time had worked on his frame he took almost a minute to get up and turn toward fabrizio the young man stood by motionless and silent the father threw himself into his arms and strained him close to him several times over with the utmost tenderness then with all the old cheerfulness he said try to sleep in tolerable comfort among my instruments take my fur-lined wrappers you will find several which the duchess san severina sent me four years ago she begged me to foretell your future to her but i took care to do nothing of the kind though i kept her wrappers and her fine quadrant any announcement of future events is an infringement of the rule and involves this danger that it may change the event in which case the whole science falls to the ground and becomes nothing more than a childish game and besides i should have had to say some hard things to the ever-lovely duchess by the way do not let yourself be startled in your sleep by the frightful noise the bells will make in your ear when they ring for the seven o'clock mass later on they will begin to sound the big bell on the lower floor which makes all my instruments rattle to-day is the feast of san jovita soldier and martyr you know our little village of grianta has the same patron saint as the great city of brescia which by the way led my illustrious master jacopo marini of ravenna into a very comical error 
several times over he assured me i should attain a very fair ecclesiastical position he thought i was to be priest of the splendid church of san giovita at brescia and i have been priest of a little village numbering seven hundred and fifty souls but it has all been for the best i saw not ten years since that if i had been priest of brescia my fate would have led me to a prison on a hill in moravia the spielberg to-morrow i will bring you all sorts of dainty viands stolen from the great dinner which i am giving to all the neighbouring priests who are coming to sing in my high mass i will bring them into the bottom of the tower but do not try to see me do not come down to take possession of the good things until you have heard me go out again you must not see me by daylight and as the sun sets at twenty-seven minutes past seven to-morrow i shall not come to embrace you till towards eight o'clock and you must depart while the hours are still counted by nine that is to say before the clock has struck ten take care you are not seen at the tower windows the gendarmes hold a description of your person and they are in a manner under the orders of your brother who is a thorough tyrant the marchese del dongo is breaking added blanes sadly and if he were to see you perhaps he would give you something from his hand directly into yours but such benefits with the stain of fraud upon them are not worthy of a man such as you whose strength one day will be in his conscience the marchese hates his son ascanio and to that son five or six millions of his property will descend that is just when he dies you will have four thousand francs a year and fifty yards of black cloth for your servant's mourning End of chapter 8